We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Packaday Podcast. You can get all your Packaday updates by following us on Twitter at Packaday Podcast. And remember to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can always check us out over at CheeseheadTV.com. I'm Kyle Fellows, and I am here with my co-host, Andrew Mertig. Andrew, welcome. It is really good to be back for another Friday show, which today happens to be a special post-game report edition of the podcast. Thanks, Kyle. It is so great to be back. I'm smiling ear to ear, and after an incredibly long offseason, football is back. And I was thinking, you know, before the game even kicked off tonight, I was going to be excited to record this podcast, even if the Bears were to win but they didn't. So we have good news to talk about. Um, it wasn't quite the Rams and the Chiefs on offense, but it was a great game uh, if you love defensive football. And guess what else, Kyle? What? What's going on? That's awesome. At, at least their offense really, really really sucks that is the truth and uh the best part of that is that andrew just played that from his cell phone right here live on on the program so uh <laughs> normally but the nor- best normally i would edit that post and put it in but i just wanted the surprise look on your face when i did it and i'm that sure was that it. was priceless and i thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed that so it's thank worth, you andrew 
worth the poor audio quality. Yeah, not a problem at all. It gives us uh, the start that we need to celebrate uh, this great Packers week one win that we did uh, get to experience. But in just a few minutes, Andrew and I are going to take a little bit of a dive into some of the more analytical observations from this first game of the year. But as you know, Andrew and I are both uh, fans of the game and big fans of the Green Bay Packers, just like all of you out there. So uh, before we kind of put on our analytical hats, let's just start with you know some of our general feelings about this game. As fans, Andrew, uh, how are you just feeling after this win? Yeah, it was funny because I think it was Sarah Kelleher um, who had said something to me on Twitter about uh, I had I had tweeted like don't get too excited about defense and she was saying that she's going through the same thing and I was like oh wait I was supposed to record a podcast tonight and through the whole first half I took no notes I was just <laughs> I was just total fan zone. And uh, I was probably doing too much ball watching, and uh, it, it was just great to be back. And in the fourth quarter, I just I set my notes down, and I said, you know what? I'll remember what happened. Yeah. This is this is something I want to witness. It it's uh it it's great that football is back. It it's you know sometimes in the off season you get into the doldrums and and you wonder like uh, how is this so important in my life and then and then you remember just how passionate you can get <laughs> about about the green bay packers it's it's great yeah you're like it's just football but then it happens and you're like it's football and it's back and it's awesome so i'm with you uh you know part of this and doing this podcast we love but part of it is you kind of get a little bit absorbed in trying to take notes, like you said, and uh, you don't want to miss just the fun of watching the game. And so tonight I was just not mindful. I wanted to watch a little bit of the game at the beginning with my son. He sat on my lap a little bit, and he's three years old. And uh, so it wasn't the same watching experience that maybe you'd get in that first uh, first quarter. Uh, but he did yell double doink when uh, the nice. Bears kicker came out for that first field goal attempt. So no luck there, though. They did make that one. But uh, a really fun night all around just as a fan. And um, we didn't get the high-scoring game that we might have wanted, but we did get to see a little bit of what Coach LaFleur is going to be all about. And this uh, offense came out with a little bit of rust at the beginning, for sure. Um, but this is a playbook that's fresh. It's fun. We get some new concepts, some new assignments. And this is a Packers team that's coming off of years of Mike McCarthy's system. But it really did feel like this is a team that's excited to run these plays. They look like they're having some fun out there. And that's a really good sign to see early in the season. It's fun to see fans uh, you know, just get to experience the creativity on the offensive side of the ball and the defense really putting things together as well. And we're going to get into that a little bit more as we get into the show. But uh, let's get into this game a little more and take a closer look at what happened in this one that, of course, ended with a final score of 10 to 3 in our Green Bay Packers favor. Uh, Andrew and I, like we said, decided to divide and conquer a little bit tonight. He focused on the offensive side a little bit, and I paid a little bit closer attention to the defensive side of things. So let's start uh, with that new Matt LaFleur offense, Andrew. What do we got going on with the offense? You gave me the offense. <laughs> Thanks. Great a week whole to pick that. Ten points. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll break it down. Oh, we'll break it down. The offense was not good in the first quarter. Surprise, surprise. And the Packers Twitter imploded. Uh, but but really, I felt like they were getting close. On the second play of the game, Aaron Jones caught a screen off a fake pass, and Roquan Smith makes an incredible tackle. If he doesn't, Jones was going to end up being one-on-one with Prince Mukamara with a whole lot of green behind him. So I, I felt like, you know, it's things were getting close to clicking, but they just weren't quite there. 
the offensive line looked a step slow early on. Um, and then, you know, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers was inaccurate. And that's a trend that unfortunately kind of continued throughout the game. Um, and then the second quarter hits. Aaron Rodgers has a fantastic play fake, and the whole Bears team ended up on the right side of the field. It was kind of funny. Um, you know, you, you see all these innovative offenses and how they're they're fooling the defense, but, like, every single Bears player ran off the right tackle uh, on that play. And then um, Aaron Rodgers either underthrew MVS or he led him perfectly into a jump ball situation. Depends who you want to listen to. Um, and that ended up being the biggest play of the game. Uh, everything that happened on that drive was what you hoped for in the Matt LaFleur offense. The the pre-snap sideways movement really froze up the Bears pass rush. Aaron Rodgers actually improvised a little bit, um, but stayed within relatively the structure of the offense. He checked out of a run and threw a quick pass to Devontae to set them up in the red zone. And the playground touchdown pass to Jimmy Graham, that's just just good fun. Um, that was exciting to see against the best defense in the NFL. I, I was worried how they were going to score in the red zone. Of course, it didn't come up too much tonight. But, um, you know, that that's one way to get it done. Just throw it up to the big dude and let him make a play. Um, the drive that started inside the five-yard line is going to be forgotten. But that had a big impact on the game. Uh, a nice quick pass to MVS. To open up the drive, got them a little bit of breathing room, and it was nice to see Aaron Rodgers stick in the pocket and progress through his reads, and then he found Devontae Adams and a key third down on that drive. And yes, they didn't score, but they completely flipped the field position, and that's what set themselves up with a chance to score before the half. No, they didn't score before the half, but that's all right. <laughs> it gave them the opportunity. Um, otherwise, the Bears would have been breathing down, uh, you know, into midfield when they got the yeah. ball back. They they started that drive with a nice backhand third down completion, little improv improv improvisational. I was I was starting to think about how I was going <laughs> to compare this to Brett Favre before I finished the word, and then I got stuck in the middle. Yeah. So have fun with that. Trailing off to Brett Favre is never a good thing. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, there was a lot of Brett Favre in the, the lead-up to the game, and so, yeah, right. you know, that was a nice little fun flip there by Rodgers <laughs> to Williams, a nice run for the first down. He he didn't quite give Devontae enough room on that sideline play over Buster screen, and um, I, I think that could have been a big play, but, you know, whatever. Uh, on the next play, there seemed to be a little bit of a mix-up. Geronimo and MVS ended up in the same area on their routes. They were both running goes, and I, I don't know that that was intentional. MVS looked a little bit flustered after the play, um, and, and Allison kind of looked at him uh, questioning, too, so I, I don't know. One of them probably ran the wrong route, but um, one of the better plays of the night was a seam route to Jimmy Graham, where Raquan Smith decided to just tackle him, um, and that's one way to get offense. And, and <laughs> unfortunately, that seemed to be uh, one of the bigger plays that the Packers had. Uh, and, you know, Roquan is one of the best young players in the league, but that was a pretty awful play. Um, and it was especially funny to see him get up and, like, question the official, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you can't tackle the receiver, <laughs> sir. Um, and as a reminder, it got Green Bay out of a second and 17 situation. So that, that was a big, uh, big deal at that moment. It was good to see Rodgers scramble for a first down. Uh, you you could tell HaHa was really desperate to make a play on that one when he stripped yeah. the ball. Um, and, you know, the ball fortunately bounced right back to Rodgers. Didn't matter anyways. It was holding, but um, certainly a turnover would have been a problem. Was that the only HaHa, like, sighting during the game? I was trying to watch a little bit, but I didn't hear his name come up other than that play. Is that is yeah, that true? He made a couple of tackles. Um, the okay. announcers didn't mention him. There, there were a couple of nice plays he made against the run, but yeah. he seemed sort of invisible. There were times when he wasn't even on the field. 
Um, so I don't know if the, the Bears were doing a little bit of rotating with their, their safeties um, or if Haha was just so far off the screen that you couldn't tell he was in the game. That that happens. Uh, yeah. That was a very yeah. familiar sight in Washington last year um, where he would be so far out of the play you couldn't tell where he was. Um, and, you know, it it is nice to see Rodgers move around a little bit. The Lindsley hold, uh, that was a backbreaker because it forced the Packers into third and long and they could not pass protect for Rodgers. And, and they were actually in field goal position at that point when uh, Lindsley got called for holding. And then the sack clearly pushed them way out of field goal range. So uh, that one could have been very costly in you know, then then we jump forward in the middle of the third quarter. Uh, the Packers had a particularly frustrating three and out. Rodgers got sacked on an RPO. And, I mean, he got sacked on an RPO, Kyle. <laughs> essentially, yeah, essentially, that's the second quickest pass option you have in your offense. And so I'm, I'm really interested to see the All-22 film because either that was a really fantastic play in coverage, a really terrible route, or Aaron Rodgers just didn't pull the trigger. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a big question, and that's exactly like you said, like the last thing you expect to happen on an RPO. Like you have lots of options of what could happen, but that is not what you expect to happen at all. You would think if if the immediate pass, you know, if you're pulling that out, if it's a true RPO, and, and sometimes it's just a play-action pass, but if you're pulling that out and your first read isn't open, you have to throw the ball away immediately. Just chirk it over his head. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that kind of stuff. It, it irks me a little bit, and I'll, I'll talk about that later on. But, um, you know, late third quarter, we get the stretch action finally to Aaron Jones, and he was able to find a really nice cutback lane. And then he takes the very next play and stretches that one to the outside for the first down. So two back-to-back running plays that fit perfectly within the Matt LaFleur scheme. If Aaron Rodgers senses soft coverage, it is going to be a quick throw to Devontae 100% of the time, and that's just stealing, like, those are those should be automatic eight air gains. I truly do not understand that side toss play to Jamal Williams. It set them behind on second down and completely derailed that drive. And let's throw that play to the curb with Mike McCarthy's offensive playbook. No more. <laughs> side note about that drive. Akeem Hicks committed a blatant personal foul on Rodgers directly in front of two officials. And I, I know. Quarterbacks get too many soft calls, and it's frustrating. But either call it or don't. I'm sure Clay Matthews would like to hear how Tony Carrente is defining roughing the passer plays. Really, like that—that that was awful. He pulled him down by the neck, and that—that that, you know that that can lead to serious injury. So either let everything go or call everything. Um, and then you know we'll talk about that Tremont penalty later. Yeah, and you're always going to see Aaron Rodgers asking for those penalties because of at a minimum, like you are, like what I sometimes think about is at a minimum, you're setting up the official to have that in the back of their mind going forward that like, I might owe them one here, you know, like, so he's going to ask for those penalties, but my goodness, you could definitely see in Aaron's face that he's frustrated that he doesn't get that call because it's so obvious that it's, you're pulling him down by the helmet, like in a completely unnecessary manner in a play that's not going to matter after that point so it's just you can see it in his face that this is a play that you want called according to the way that they're calling the rules now and just what you want and if if hicks pushes rogers 
fine. If Hicks sure. form tackles Rodgers, that's fine too. But he actually stopped his momentum, grabbed him by the you know the back of the helmet or the neck, whatever you want to do, and it crunched him down like a mm-hmm. wrestling move. Like yeah. I, I just I don't understand how how that or how Akeem Hicks got away with that. Um, in in the middle of the fourth quarter, that was a massive drive. Devontae limps off the field, and Trevor Davis comes in and finds a huge hole in the zone to get them out from the shadow of their end zone. Good to see Trevor making a play there. Uh, Rodgers did a great job climbing the pocket and finding Big Bob Tanyan for a crucial play. The illegal contact was really big, too, because it looked like the offense was sputtering in the middle of the field. And I didn't love the two runs up the middle to Williams on first and second, but Rodgers picked up some key yards on third, and Mason made it a seven-point game. And so, um, side note, I'm going to be fighting throwing up on every field goal this season. I've I've already uh, started <laughs> the nervous energy there. Uh, but what what a colossal drive! You start out, you know, inside your ten. You come up with a huge play, Trevor Davis, Tanyan. Uh, you get a you know almost a first down run by Aaron Rodgers, and then Crosby nails it home. That that was big. Um, and then you know, fast forwarding to that that last drive. It was bad. Aaron Jones, Aaron Jones had a really nice run on first down, and I knew, I knew, I, I said it out loud, I, even though I was sitting by myself watching the game. I said, Rogers is going to check out of this to a quick pass to MVS, and that was fine. It was the right play because that was wide open, but he didn't lead him to the outside. He left it in, and that could have been picked off. Uh, and so, you know, that that could have been a catastrophic sure. And it yeah. ended up just being really terrible. Right. So. No one's going to talk about that because it didn't happen. But if it had, that's a that's a game flipper. Like that changes a lot of things. So definitely interesting. Yeah. So those that that accuracy issue um, was kind of yeah. there all night for Rodgers. He addressed it in the post game yeah. press. Con- uh, I'm sorry, the post game uh, on field interview. But okay, you know, you, you'd like to see him cleaning those. Yeah. He was sharp for what was that? Like he went like eight for eight in the second quarter there, like something crazy, and like that was you know obviously fire and that was huge for how they got out to you know seven seven points and then obviously ended up with ten. But uh, yeah, throughout the game, you'd like to see a little bit more consistency there. So a couple of quick notes that I noticed were just personnel things that I think as fans we didn't really know going into the game that were kind of surprises to me, and one of those was Mercedes Lewis. Um, was someone I think that we kind of talked about as someone who may not make this team or we may not know what his role was, but he was, he was on the field a lot and was even, you know, received, I think two, two catches and maybe three targets or something like that. Um, and just really interesting that he was not only like maybe below some of the other guys on the depth chart, but also seems to be a big part of this team and wanting to be that two tight end set and that second tight end. Also Jamal Williams, Got a lot of run tonight, um, spelling Aaron Jones at times, and we, you know, been calling for the Aaron Jones show, and I, I definitely want to see that. But definitely interesting that we do see that there is still a role for Jamal Williams on this team, and it doesn't look like he's going away anytime soon. So um, I didn't, I don't know if you have any thoughts on those guys at all. Well, yeah, I, I actually I tweeted this and I forgot to write it in my notes to to bring up, but I thought the offense was a lot more effective when Tanyan and Lewis were in than when Graham was. And Jimmy Graham is a he he showed tonight he still got something left in the tank in the passing game, but you know in the running game and in creating uh, some of that play action. Uh, movement. I think Mercedes Lewis proved that he he's still got a role. 
and yeah. and you know he's a very effective blocker and that creates opportunities to leak out in the passing game so that's a big deal um i i thought we saw a little bit too much of jamal williams tonight but <laughs> you know that's just my personal opinion but anyways so we we just got a stone cold look at the offense but i would say the big stunner of the night was the defense and so yeah. that brings us to stone cold steve i mean mike petton and his unit do you get that reference? Mike Patton looks like Stone Cold Steve Austin, the former I'm wrestler. sorry. No, dude. I was looking at my notes here. What I'm talking about because I'm excited Who about kind of looks defense, like but... you, weirdly enough. Yeah, I, don't, I should get that. I should, but yeah. I don't. I dropped the ball, man. Okay. Sorry. It's late. It's like midnight here. Yeah, I'm you want to now. catch up to talk about the defense. And then yeah. Segue, so. <laughs> my bad, man. Hey, so we've got a awesome defense to talk about here tonight. And all the buzz was about this Bears defense coming into this game, but it really was the Mike Pettin-led Packers unit that looked really, really good out there tonight. Um, It's pretty incredible when you look at this unit just how different it is from just a year ago, and we're talking about starters, significant players. Amos and Savage are new pieces. Raven Green's role is so much bigger that he's basically an addition at this point, and then of course we've got the new edge rushers and Preston and Sedarius Smith, so it's hard to say if it's really an infusion of talent or a new energy that comes from adding these guys, but it just seemed like this whole defense, uh, the defensive unit played with just a really, it was an aggression that we may not have seen in recent history, uh, a real chip on their shoulder uh, that we saw out there. And I'm sure it's guys, you know, like Alexander and Kenny Clark that just continue to grow and become better players and grow into uh, the talent that they have. But it sure seems like Mike Pettin had this unit dialed up and running really smoothly tonight to come in and not be the little brother to the Chicago team that's known for their defense and to really come out and put quite a show on. But uh, one of my favorite things to watch in this one, uh, as you know, I made these assignments, I was like, oh, I'll give Andrew the offense, you know, uh, not realizing that I'd set myself up here to, to have some fun and uh, really have this great defense to watch. But uh, Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith, to watch these guys um, out there at the same time on those edges. And sometimes in the past, you'd see offenses running towards those edge positions against Green Bay. And even when Green Bay had Clay Matthews, he was sometimes overly aggressive at times. And sometimes teams would try to expose when Matthews was too far up the arc. And so in recent past, I'd say the edge has been maybe something that you would describe as soft at times. Yeah, and you know, it's funny that you mentioned that because this is something that I was thinking about. Zadarius and Preston Smith are a little bit heavier edge rushers, but they're able to win in pass rushing situations without having to leave their lane. And that's something Clay Matthews could do that sort of in his prime, um, but towards the end, he really became overly reliant on that speed move. And so defaulting he would go to the edge um, consistently even if it was to set up his inside move and he couldn't just stay there and hold off the tackle and both Preston and Darius were super impressive in, in just pressing guys tonight staying in those run lanes not letting Trubisky escape but then also getting some pressure on him and pushing those tackles back in his face. 
Yeah, absolutely. I thought that was a huge difference and noticeable difference that you could see out there tonight. Uh, both of those guys just seem to really be setting a really hard edge, even when there weren't maybe the big, big splash plays that, you know, that get the announcers going and those kinds of things. You feel the disruption that those guys were bringing throughout the game. And so you'd like to see Zadarius come up with the sack on that almost big play up to Taylor Gabriel that was called back for the offensive pass interference. That was a little scary. Uh, but beyond that, you know, pretty impressive night from both of those guys that you feel like maybe Green Bay spent their money wisely there in the offseason. Uh, beyond the edge position, the defensive line in general seemed to be getting really good push all night. There was uh, you know, some extra explosiveness off the snap, I felt like, from the D-line. You saw it from Clark consistently, which you might expect. You saw it from Montrevious Adams on a couple snaps that stood out. Uh, but one of my favorite stops was definitely Kenny Clark swimming by Chicago center James Daniels and then Amos joining him behind the line to wrap up the running back uh, for a loss on third and short in a play that basically never happened because they were just in the backfield so fast. So just masterful stuff from Clark. Um, and yeah, I just I just wanted to point out, you, you mentioned that as your favorite play, and my favorite play was Montrevious Adams, who you just mentioned, on that like third and forever <laughs> the the Bears threw that screen pass to Taylor Gabriel. Montrevious Adams turned around and booked it downfield and made the tackle on Gabriel from behind. And, you know, you would think as a defensive lineman, it's third and 40 or whatever. You might just kind of jog down there and take it easy. He he made that play, and he saved them probably 10 yards. Yeah, that was a big play. And uh, you did see that big number 90 getting up off the ground. And you're like, whoa, he uh, he made he traveled some some distance to get there for that, for sure. So uh, big plays from the defensive line in general. Uh, but can we just talk about this secondary group for a second? Because sure. I'm kind of I'm excited about it. Uh, because I think we knew as fans that we had something special in Jair. And we continue to see that from him in this game. He beat Taylor Gabriel uh, to the ball early in the game for a pass breakup that had Chris Collinsworth showering praise on the young DB. And I, I think he probably had that queued up ready to go as soon as Jair gave him an excuse to talk about him. But it was a really nice play. Um, good night all around. But we knew that Jair was good. But Packers fans have also known that we need to see a jump from the rest of these defensive backs. And it's sure like we got a little bit of a better group out there tonight, right? Uh, Kevin King couldn't quite come up with that interception. Uh, you know, you'd love to see him, you know, get the mitts on that ball and haul it in and change that momentum at the beginning of the game. But still in really good position at the beginning of the game there in coverage on that third down play that led to a punt. Uh, Tremont Williams with a with a big pass breakup and then a huge play to push Allen Robinson out of bounds before he could get both feet down. And then, of course, number 26, Darnell Savage, uh, not to be confused with 21 Savage, right, uh, was in. Yeah, uh, which I learned this week is some sort of music group. Yeah, I didn't know the that. Kids, that the kids listen yeah, to. Yeah, apparently like the kids, maybe uh we already mentioned Sarah, but I feel like she may be like our youngest. Maybe she can tell us what that's all about. But um, he, he was in a great position to make a play on the ball late in the second quarter that got the defense to fourth and 14 and a punt. So fun to see a rookie center fielder making those plays that you really hoped that he would make. And then, of course, there was we have to talk about that long drive at the end of the game that had us all just a little bit nervous. And um, I love the Raven Green play with the no-look arm extension uh, that just deflected the ball just enough to really uh, to end that play. But then the best, our knight in shining armor in his revenge game 
Adrian Amos makes the INT in the back of the end zone. And we talked about Haha Clinton Dix earlier, and there's the obvious comparison and those kinds of things. But you couldn't write a better script for Adrian, Adrian Amos in this game and the way that it came to a close, right? And uh, then, of course, the new guys, Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith, who we talked about their great night already, they decide we'll just meet at the quarterback on fourth and eight to seal this one up and take Green Bay to 1-0. So what a great way for this defense to start the season and really excited for fans to see on opening night. Yeah, and, and kudos to Andy Herman for totally calling the Adrian Amos pick six before it happened. That, I, I couldn't stop laughing when I, when I saw him making, you know, I could see he was going to intercept it for sure. And I was like, is that Amos? You gotta be kidding That's, me. Yeah. Right. You know, right after seeing that, um, super cool. And, and what am I supposed to say about the defense? They were awesome. The pass rush, Kenny Clark, Jair, Blake Martinez was everywhere. And it just was great all around. And without a short field, the Bears might have actually been shut out tonight. So say what you want about Mitch Trubisky's awfulness, but man, what a performance for Mike Pettin and his group. Yeah, absolutely. So- it's just a, it's hard when you go in on the road. And I've seen some people on Twitter and uh, some of my friends were texting me that are they're Bears fans and talking about how weird of a game it was. But I don't think you can take anything away from the fact that you go into Soldier Field on opening night with a new head coach, with a new system, and you don't look outmatched at all you know and you're not the favorite to win the division it's the bears until proven otherwise and so i think they came out tonight and really showed that they belong and they're going to be a force to be reckoned with this year and a lot of that's going to be on that defense if they can keep playing uh, the way that they played tonight uh but to wrap up our show uh today andrew and i want to give out some awards we've never done this before so be excited uh some of these awards are good as you would expect but some of them are not so good so uh we're going to give out uh awards for the game's mvp and who is a player on the rise and those are obviously good recognitions that we want to recognize but then we also want to give out our what were they thinking award because um, you know, whether it's a player, coach, or some other moment in the game that really had us scratching our heads, we can't go without um, acknowledging that person as well. So let's start with the positives here. Uh, Andrew, who is your MVP for this game? I said it on Twitter, and I'm sticking with my answer. It is J.K. Scott. <laughs> this nice. isn't going to be glamorous or fun, nice. but J.K. Scott did the job tonight. He flipped field position several times. He didn't let up on the Bears and give them the ball at the 20. And how about that last punt? My goodness, that was unreal. The The Packers haven't had a great punter since they let Craig Hendricks walk in free agency to the Titans. Still gives me anxiety to think about. Bitter. And I believe, I believe they have their guy now. So laugh about the punter selection if you want. But I promise you, the defense is very appreciative of Mr. Scott tonight. Yeah, absolutely. We didn't talk a lot about uh, the... Uh special teams unit so way to get that in here and give jk scott a little bit of love but there really is no runaway winner here in my mind andrew went with the punter so that is obviously doesn't even need to be stated but uh adrian amos kind of stole the show at the end but i think that there's a real chance that kenny clark deserves this award and i'm pretty confident that when andy herman releases his game grades on this game clark is going to show really nicely in this one and i 
you know, I said earlier, this is a defensive line. They got really good push most of the game. Uh, they really plugged things up in the middle, and Clark was a really big part of that. And so I'm going to be willing to say that Andy's grade on Clark would justify making him the Packers MVP in this one. And so that is going to be uh, my pick for uh, MVP. So let's talk about uh, player on the rise here. Uh, what, uh, what do we think there? Well, you mentioned him a little bit earlier, but to me it was Raven Green. And, I, I, you know, he looks super fresh in that, that 24 jersey. It took me a second to kind of figure out what was going on. I, yeah. I had sort of compartmentalized that he switched his jersey somewhere in the back of my mind. But uh, he was a linebacker in base and did a fantastic job locking up all the Bears' gadgety players. He held up well enough against the run, and he played really well against the pass. It It's going to be interesting to see if... Raven Green ends up being the player we all expected Oren Burks to be this year. Yeah, definitely will be interesting to see how he grows into that role. And like you said, 24 was weird to see out there. For a second, I was like, hey, did Quentin Rollins like just sneak into the stadium and like be like, no, I'm playing. Like, let me out there. But then, you know, of course, Green started making good plays. And I was like, oh, okay, it's not Quentin Rollins. So, Ouch. Uh, we, oh, <laughs> I didn't mean to burn somebody, but I guess I did. Um, player on the rise for me is um, MVS. If you've uh, participated in any fantasy football drafts, you've probably noticed that um, Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Geronimo Allison are ranked very, very similarly because no one really knows for sure who the preferred second target is for this Green Bay offense. But for me, I think that a player on the rise here has to go to MBS because he seems to have really taken a second-year leap and looks like he's that second receiver in this offense. And as much as Geronimo is loved by the coaching staff and by Rodgers, I think MVS has that trump card of elite speed that you want to keep on the field as much as you possibly can. And he seems to be giving them plenty of reason to keep him out there. So I think we'll continue to see him rise uh, throughout the season and be a really valuable part of this team. So you came up with this what were they thinking award probably under the impression that this game wasn't going to go as well as it is. So this <laughs> this was this was painful for me, but I I'm going to pick Aaron Rodgers. I, okay. I think he needs to be more accurate on his short throws. There were some drives that got killed by incompletions on really simple passes and it looked like he changed the play on second down on the last drive and that could have turned out very badly as we've talked about. And okay, this this is going to be controversial, I think, but I'd I'd like to see Aaron Rodgers taking more risks. Like even if it means throwing a few more interceptions, there's just too many times where he's holding the ball, and it it takes the flow out of the offense. So you know maybe that will come in time. Maybe maybe some quicker decision making will come once he's more familiar with the offense. We got to re- remember this guy has only really had to learn one offense in his career. So um, it. I, I'm going to expect that this is going to be better. I also do want to point out Matt Lafleur's challenge on the offensive pass interference call was a really bad decision, but you're going to get that with a young coaching staff. And people should remember the head coach isn't typically the guy looking at the play or knowing you know what's happening exactly. He's getting that information. So I think this coaching staff as as a whole just needs to improve that, get the play calls in a little bit quicker. Uh, that, yeah, 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 that was so room to grow, even though it was a great performance. Yeah, absolutely. I think you have to be happy with about the performance and think that, you know, Matt LaFleur seemed to have a really good game plan put together and all those kinds of things. But yeah, we saw the play clock ticking down a couple times and you don't know like at what end that's, uh, you know, what 
that's a result of and those kind of things. But I'm with you on uh, the Aaron Rodgers taking a little bit more risk. And I think, obviously, we're still growing into this new offense. And I think we'll, you know, learn a little bit more as we look back on this game. But I think Aaron Rodgers was sacked five times in this game, something like that. That sounds right. And I'm not sure that I was super upset with the offensive line very often when he was sacked. I think there was one or two of those that it was clearly somebody got beat and uh, Rodgers had pressure in his face. But I think a lot of those, he's holding the ball. And so I'm curious, you know, what he's looking for and those kinds of things. He'd like to see the ball coming out and that kind of stuff. But uh, we will continue to see hopefully what we saw in the second quarter uh, with Rodgers taking some shots, taking some risk, trusting trusting MBS to go up and get the ball, and uh, Jimmy Graham to uh, go up and make an above-the-rim catch, uh, just saying my guy's better than your guy and, and those kinds of things. We'll hope for that as we continue to get into this offense further into the season. But speaking of Jimmy Graham, um, to close out this What Were They Thinking award, this is an award that we would normally give out to a player with the biggest bonehead mistake, uh, you know, missed assignment or something like that. But tonight, I'm giving this award to us, the fans, because I think for months we've been ragging on Jimmy Graham, and heck, many of us wanted him cut to save some cash, but tonight we all had to eat some humble pie because Jimmy Graham was fun. He was just fun to watch out there. We got to witness a little bit of what he does have left in the tank, as Andrew said. Obviously, he had the touchdown catch, but then he had the awesome hurdle in the middle of the field. And then if you're a Bears fan, you can call it, you know, um, a great acting job by Graham. But he had that pass interference, you know, in the middle of the field. Um, It's clearly just one game. But I'd say Graham, if he keeps this up, there is a lot of fans, myself included, who deserve, you know, this what are they thinking award because we really did not expect him to play this big of a role in this offense. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give it to us, the fans, and our take on Jimmy Graham this offseason. Yeah, so it's been a really fun night. Any Anything else that you wanted to talk about before we close out the show? Kyle? Yeah, I just thought I like the the white. Uh, Matt LaFleur, he's, he's wearing the white hat, the all-white hat. He's got the white pullover on. And we saw McCarthy sporting that like green for just so long. No, I love the green. But I just thought he looked sharp out there. Well, as much as I'd like to point out the faux pas of wearing white after Labor Day, and mm, so soon after, right. I mean, um, really, Matt? No, I, <laughs> I, I, I actually, I heard about this, that that's an opening weekend 100th anniversary thing. Ah, okay. So if, if right. you notice, Matt Nagy was wearing all white, too. Oh, okay. The Chicago right. Bears hat looked really funny, though. It, it looked, for some reason, it looked like a, like North Carolina blue. Oh, weird. I, don't know. I didn't, maybe, I didn't maybe notice that. Maybe it was that. just on my TV. But, um, yeah, so interesting fashion. Uh, sure, sure. Choice, yeah, we just I have guess. to always keep our, you know, that's what you guys listen to this podcast for. You want Andrew and I's input on how well-dressed the coaching staff is. So thank you for tuning in for that valuable information. Jersey numbers and coach yeah. apparel. Right, Go to the right. pro shop if you like what Matt LaFleur is wearing. I'm sure it's available. Uh, yeah. They they will sell literally anything that they can. <laughs> all right. So that's all the time that we have for today. This has been the Packaday Podcast. It's been a victory Packaday Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit, and you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Remember to also follow at Packaday Podcast. Please subscribe and rate the podcast if you like what we're doing. Tomorrow's episode is going to be hosted by Jason and Mark. You can catch Kyle and myself every single Friday. And we are going to be back next week to preview the Packers' upcoming Week 2 home game against the Vikings. And that will be the first time in almost six weeks that we haven't had to break down a game. So that, that'll be fun to talk about something a little bit different. Um, so tonight, 
unreal, super exciting. The Packers are 1-0. Say it loud, say it proud. Always remember. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment 
and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.